What's happening, everybody? And welcome to Ron Uncut Podcast. My name is Mackenzie Kerbert Statham, and I will be your host today. Let's start this week talking about Martavis Bryant and the news of him being suspended for a year. Now, we know that it comes from multiple drug tests failed throughout his career, which we know comes from smoking marijuana is why he failed. Now, Martavis Bryant has to be smarter than that to, you know, not smoke weed when the boss, the NFL, tells him not to. But I'm here to talk about why the NFL needs to figure out a way to make marijuana legal, at least medical marijuana for its players. Because not only do I believe it would help with their CTE or their CTE problem they're having, but also it would help with the injuries and the time recovery that it takes from players having to deal with after games where they're sore for almost a week until their next week of games. Now, I'll be the first one to tell you I'm pro marijuana being legal. I think that there's been studies done and there's been so many tests that prove that it is beneficial for you. I mean, the only reason that it's not legal at the moment is because they haven't figured out a way to tax it. I mean, alcohol and pain pillars are legal and those kill people left and right and those are still legal. Yet marijuana is not killing people like that, but yet for some reason it's still illegal. But the NFL has a problem on their hand. The whole CTE movement is now getting parents worried it has players where, I mean, you're seeing players, Calvin Johnson, BJ Raji. I mean, you have all these players who are retiring at a pretty young age when they're still in the height of their career because their body just doesn't want to take that pounding. And I can guarantee you, and a lot of the players back of their mind that the CTE discussion is in the back of their mind because, I mean, why wouldn't? If you see players killing themselves and just freaking out so much because of what's going on with their brain, I mean... That's just human nature for you to be work, freaking out and to be worrying about your future because for no, ma- no matter how long you're in the NFL, where it's for one year or for 15 years, you have a lot of pounding. You have high school hits. You have college hits. You have the NFL hits. You have practice. You have two days. You have all that combined. I mean, that's a lot of hit on the head, hits on the head, and you can't deny that it does a lot of damage to the brain. Now, no one, we don't have um, – how can I say this? We don't have – a great amount of information about what causes CTE and how to cure it and this, that, and the third. All we can do is test it on people who are dead. But a lot of people have speculated and have done studies that have shown that marijuana could help with that um, problem that the NFL is having. A former player, Kyle Turley, in one of these articles I read by the Medical Daily, said if cannabis is implemented and the NFL can lead the science on this, they can resolve the brain injury situation in a big way. Um, In 2015, researchers from Department of Veterans Affairs in Boston University identified chronic traumatic, um, can't pronounce it, but CTE in 96% of the NFL players' brains they examined. The condition was discovered in 79% of high school, college, semi-pro, and professional athletes who were studied. According to Boston University CTE Center, the disease's progressive degenerative condition found prevalently among athletes with a history of repetitive brain trauma. Now... We all know, we've seen the movie, or at least seen the previews for the movie with Will Smith and whatnot, and many of you have seen it, I've seen it, so, I mean, that opens your eyes to a lot of hits. I mean, as a kid growing up, I used to watch Jacked Up and love that show because, I mean, you would see guys get hit and, you know, 
just freak out because it's that that's I mean NFL today is modern gladiators I mean we're in a big bowl we're watching players beat the hell out of each other and the harder the hit the more we scream and we love the violence I mean I love football but we have to figure out a way to make it safer and there's only so much you can do you can only do so much because unless you take the tackling out which they'll never do you're gonna still have people hitting you're gonna have um body limbs hitting at full speed I mean guys are faster stronger than they ever been before and you can't contain some things. You can only try to help so much. But with marijuana, some of the things they say in this article is um, the marijuana has been proved to provide relief from inflammation, pain, anxiety, seizures, and spasms without the stoned effect. It has demonstrated benefits for those with a wide range of conditions, including arthritis, diabetes, alcoholism, pain, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, and many more. Now... A lot of people have different feelings on marijuana, and that's fine. That's your personal opinion. But if it can help somebody out who's playing this sport that we love to watch, which makes billions upon billions upon billions of dollars that people scream for and love to watch, I mean, why would it not? Why would we not try to help them as much as possible? You can get the medical marijuana license, or the NFL has billions of dollars where they can do studies to figure out a way that it helps players. I mean, if it helps with their inflammation and pain, I mean, think about it. They're hitting each other constantly. They're going to be sore constantly. I mean, just I played basketball and when you play basketball in college, you have two a day, some days at the beginning of the year. You have preseason conditioning, then you have like individual workouts and then you'll have practice. Now, I've never been in basketball. You don't get hit like you do in football. The worst you do is you take some screens. You might take a charge or you go up in the air. Someone fouls and you land on your butt or your back or something. And that's only once every blue moon. But in football, you're hitting each other constantly. And in basketball, after practice, you'd be sore as I don't know what. I mean, I can't tell you how many of my teammates I would see popping four or five um, Tylenol just to help with the inflammation because of how sore they were from the day before practice. And this is basketball, which is a physical sport, but not nearly the same physicality as NFL. So if the NFL can start doing more research on it and stop being so, you know, passive aggressive with their research and just you know come to and say let's try to figure out what's the best way and if that is marijuana then they should just be all for it because what's it going to hurt it's only going to help their business if they can show that you know cte was a problem let's say marijuana i'm not for sure saying that it will fix it but let's say it helps it and they can show that this study that we've done on marijuana helps it or if this study or if whatever study figures it out then their rise of people wanting to play football again will be higher. I mean, if you think about it, when you're a kid, what's one of the first sports you play? Football. I mean, you go out with your friends, you pick a football up, you don't need a lot of people to play, you throw it around, and you have fun doing it. I mean, it's America's sport. I mean, everyone loves it. Literally, everyone loves it. But if with the information that's coming out now and the violence and the CTE, it's clear that people have been... How can I say this? They've been naive to the facts of how much injuries and trauma and pain that comes with this sport because it was just an old time sport that everybody thought that, you know, you would play. It's modern. Like I said, it's modern gladiators. It's something that you love to play. So you didn't think about the post effects. You just thought about the moment at now. But afterwards, I mean, you're seeing people kill themselves constantly. You're seeing the freak outs. You're seeing people having to take. They become addicted to painkillers. I mean, Painkillers is not the option because you start feeling better. So what do you do? You just keep popping more, popping more. Next thing you know, you're addicted to them and you have a problem. 
So the NFL needs to become aggressive and not passive aggressive and figure out a way to help out with the injuries they're having, help out with the pain they're having, and help out with the CTE problem that they have right now. And if marijuana is that, I'm not a doctor. I'm just saying that if it is that, then they need to be aggressive with it and figure out a way to implement that so that their players can use marijuana and it can help out their cause of trying to make NFL safe again. And on top of that, marijuana is not that big of a deal. Don't start suspending some of your best players for smoking weed. I mean, who doesn't love watching Martavis Bryant play or Josh Gordon play who was suspended last year? No one wants to see their player or one of their favorite players not play because of smoking marijuana when you can go pop a pill, which is not any better for you, and yet that's legal. Come on, NFL. Get it together. It's your favorite time of the year. That's right. It's March Madness time, baby. Fall is ticked. There you are. You're ready for your life. You're a shooting star. It's the time where you spend hours filling out countless amount of brackets just to rip them all apart on the first day. It's the time where you get into leagues with your friends and you bet money and you lose money. And if you're lucky, you might pick the winning team and that's how you win your money. But I have no idea who's going to win this year. College basketball has been by far the most confusing time this year that I can remember watching basketball. I mean, you have North Carolina losing to Northern Iowa. And yes, at the beginning of the year, they didn't have Marcus Page. I get that. But they lose to Northern Iowa. Then you have teams like UVA, who at the beginning of the year was losing to a lot of, you know, not good teams. You know, I think they almost lost to Cal, if not lost to Cal, if I can remember. I think they lost to Cal, but... And then at the end of the year, they're looking really good, and then Carolina beats them. But they still look very good, and you don't know if you can trust them offensively because you know they're going to come and play defensively. Duke, if you consider them, they're just losing to everybody. I mean, I'm a Carolina fan, so you know I have, you know, I'm loving seeing them lose a lot of games, but they're losing to random teams that you wouldn't even expect them to lose to. And they have a lot of talent this year as far as NBA prospects. Then you look at teams like Oregon, who's a one seed. Who the hell knew Oregon was a one seed? I mean, the only thing I know Oregon for is football, Chip Kelly, and their nice-ass uniforms. That's the only thing I know Oregon for. Then you look at the other one seed. You go um, UVA, North Carolina, Oregon, and finally Kansas. And, I mean, they have Perry Ellis, who played with Wilt Chamberlain in Kansas, still on the team. Then you go Wayne Selden and a bunch of other very good players, but... For some reason, you just can't trust Kansas because somehow or another, they're going to lose in the first or second round and screw your bracket up. Now, if you listen to this podcast, I record throughout the week and then I post on Sunday. So some of the stuff might be a little bit older or some of the stuff might have happened. Um, I filled out my brackets, which I do every single year with my friends and our girlfriends. And some of us are even married now. Are, um, we get into a group and we just basically fill out brackets for bragging rights. And this year, so my final four is Maryland. Oklahoma, UNC, and Utah. And I'll tell you how I pick pretty much every single year the team I think is going to win or the teams that I feel like should win. So college basketball is so up and down. And the way I pick my teams is, one, I always pick Carolina. I always have a bracket where I pick Carolina. I'm a Carolina fan. Um, When I was born, my dad let me pick pretty much every single other team. I'm a Tennessee Titan football fan. I'm a Miami college football fan I'm a Boston Red Sox uh, baseball fan and my dad's pretty much the opposite he's a Dallas Cowboys fan 
He's a New York Yankees, um, what's it called? New York Yankees baseball fan. He's a um, North Carolina slash Florida State football fan. So we're pretty much opposite on everything else. But when it comes to basketball, the one thing we can agree on is that we're Carolina fans, and that's until the end. So I always pick them in one of my brackets. But when it comes to truly picking my bracket, I think who's the best players in the draft. Because college basketball is pretty much the best teams is usually have the most players that can create their own shots or they have the best system. One of the two. But usually it's the best players who can create their own offense. Look at the teams recently. Duke had Jaleel Okafor, who was a monster on the block. I don't think he's that great, going to be that great in the um, NBA because he's just mostly big body. I think he'll be kind of like Brooke Lopez, who's a good scorer, but I don't feel like he's that. I feel like he's that's it. He's a little overrated. But he could score pretty much almost at will in college. You had Justice Winslow, who's a very good athlete, could score and do a lot of things. Tyus Jones, who hit some really big shots and did some really big plays. But that's why they won. I mean, they were, it's not because Coach K put some great system and great philosophy. They won. Why? Because they had the best player. So I pick Oklahoma because Buddy Hill's the player of the year. He can hit shots at will, and he can create his own shot, which is very tough to do, or tough to guard in college especially. I went Carolina because Bryce Johnson is the best post player by far. I mean, that's not even a question. I didn't think he was going to be that good. I mean, I always felt like this was Marcus Page's team, but this is clearly... Bryce Johnson's team, not even a question. I mean, he's putting up double-doubles every single night almost. 2020 games, it seems like almost every other game. I mean, he's a force on the block, and you really can't stop him. And the big surprise this year has been Joel Berry. Um, Joel Berry is one of my friend's um, homeboy from back in the day, from in Florida, and he told me to watch out for him. Now, when he first got there, I did not like Joel Berry one bit. I'll be the first to admit, I thought he was overrated. I felt like he was doing too much, but... This year, he it's really his team as far as being the point guard, as f- being the leader. I mean, Marcus Page is good, but Marcus Page is very inconsistent this year. But this is pretty much Joel Berry's team to run, but it's Bryce Johnson's the best player on the team. Because if you know basketball, the point guard makes the team go, and he might not even be the best player, but as long as you have a good point guard, you're he's your second leader on the team, and he's going to make them go wherever. Now, I picked Utah because they shoot a lot of threes, and Jacob Podol is that's how you pronounce his name, is one of the best defensive bigs in the league, and he's actually an underrated scorer. Um, basically, a lot of teams you pick, there's a lot of shooters, but they don't shoot it well. They might shoot a lot of threes, like Iowa State, for instance. Iowa State shoots a lot of threes, and if they're wide open, they're knocking them down. But if they have someone guarding them, or if they're facing a team that's pretty good defensively, they struggle. Why? Because they like to try to force the pace and get wide open looks and not have to deal with defense. Now, Utah plays a lot of NBA system pick and rolls, get up threes, kind of like, I'm not saying they're the Warriors, but they try to play that type of system. And then they have Podal down there who sets a lot of pick and rolls and kind of is like an Andrew Bogut type of center who is really good defensively. When they need a bucket in the post, they go to him, but that's about it at the moment. And finally, I pick Maryland. I mean, they're loaded talent. There's no reason that they should be a five seed. I mean, you have Mellow Trimble who I think – Besides Chris Dunn is the best point guard in basketball. You go Rashid Suleiman. Rashid Suleiman. Damn, that's a struggle. But anyway, he's playing a lot better with them. and looks like he should have went there instead of going to Duke to begin with. Then you go Diamond Stone, who is a big-time recruit coming out of college. And then they have the white guy. can't even think of his name. But the white guy who stretched the floor, shoots really well. 
um, came come to me. But anyway, I mean, they have four or five guys who are probably going to end up playing college. I mean, playing in the NBA, and yet they're a five seed. Now, I could be a fool for picking them, but I don't. What's it called? They're going to focus in on that and just press them. I mean, I don't know why more teams don't do that, but they're going to press them. They're going to push the pressure, and they're going to force their guards to get tired. And if they get tired, then Duke has to knock down a bunch of threes, which they can do, but it's harder to hit threes when you're tired. So that's my philosophy of picking teams now. Does it work? Fuck no. I haven't won a bracket yet with one of my friends. I just hope, actually, let me phrase that. I think I've won one, and that was the year that Carolina won. That was back in like one of my dad's friends' group. So that was like in 2008, I think, when they had Ty Lawson. I mean, that was the last year that I think I've won one. I mean, so I wouldn't. So if you want to listen to me, you'll probably be in the same place I am. That's losing. But hey, best of luck in the March Madness this this year. And just remember, it's a great time of the year, and enjoy it because it won't happen again until next March. All right, let's finish this week talking about Adam LaRoche and his recent retirement from baseball because the White Sox would not allow his son to be in the clubhouse as much as he wanted them to. Now, do y'all hear the problem in that? As much as he wanted them to. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, he signed a deal and that was a part of the agreement. Listen, shit changes, as anyone knows. You might be getting paid a lot of money at your job, and if something goes wrong, you might have to take a pay cut. And if you don't want to take it, you can retire or quit or whatever. But shit changes. And for Adam LaRoche, who last year was probably, you could argue, the worst baseball player for the contract that he got. I mean, he was god-awful. For him to be here and throwing a hissy fit about his son not being able to be in the ballpark in the clubhouse as much as he wants is ridiculous. I mean, don't get me wrong. Your father, he's being a good father and standing up for his son, that's cool. But it's not like they're saying, you know, never bring your son around. And even if they were, so what? It's your job. Not your, you know, clubhouse or what you, or it's not your clubhouse, it's not your nursery, it's your job. You're supposed to come to your job to perform, not to bring your son and have him distract you. Because the kid's 14 years old. He's hanging around grown men who live a lifestyle that no one lives. I don't care how much money you make, no one lives a lifestyle, unless you're a musician or an artist, that baseball players, basketball, football, professional athletes live. I mean, they have the amount of women they have access to pretty much anything while they're if they're especially if they're good players they have access to anything so you're trying to tell me that you want your son around that or daughter whoever if you bring them to the clubhouse around that at all times no i mean name me one parent who wants their kid hang around professional athletes all the time lord knows what the kid's hearing or what they're joking around and telling him and that can distract him from his job which might be a reason of why he didn't produce might as well as well as he did when he was with the Nationals, or he might just be declining. But you know what, LaRoche? Suck it up and just stop having a temper tantrum. I get it. You want to be your son to be around. You want your son to be there for you and see him. I get that. You want to see him grow up. That's cool. But it's your job. You see your son. Baseball is not a sport where it's 365. Like, yeah, y'all play a lot of games, but it's not 365. You see your son. You Get to watch him grow up. He can come to the game still. I'm sure if you produce more or if showing your commitment to the team and not as much to your son as his numbers would show, they wouldn't care how much your son came about. The White Sox are just trying to get as much as they can out of their dollar because clearly they overpaid for you. Now, I'm not saying don't be a good father because you need to be a good father in your son's life. But to complain and throw a temper tantrum basically because they're not allowing your son to be around there as much as you want him to is a drama queen. 
And for anyone who's saying, well, I'm being harsh on it, I'm not. I mean, you're, it's your job. I mean, how many? I don't know how many times I can say that, but you can't go to your job where you don't own it. I mean, he's not the owner. If he was the owner of it, that'd be different, but he is just a employee. You can't tell them, I need my son there at all times, and if I don't, I'm going to quit. The White Sox are probably ecstatic that he quit. I mean, they owed him $13 million this year. $13 million. And he is not nearly worth that dollar. That's off their books now. Hell, I'm probably sure that other organizations are thinking of how to do that. Philadelphia Phillies are probably trying to figure out ways to make Ryan Howard not be able to come to the ballpark and get him to retire. But, I mean, Adam LaRoche, best of luck to fatherhood and um, doing what's best for you, you believe. But my personal opinion is I think he was being a little bit of dramatic and being a drama queen. And you can't tell your boss what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. And if they don't apply to it, that you're going to quit because... That's not how the world works. The world doesn't revolve around you. So I hope you saved up your money well, Adam LaRoche, and I hope that you've uh, put it in the right places because clearly you're retired and you feel like this is that your son being in the clubhouse is more important than your job doing baseball. And if that's the case, then best of luck to you. And as we end up this session of uh, Raw and Uncut Podcast, I'd like to say thank you again for tuning in and uh, hope to see you next week. Thanks.